This time on No, Not the Mind Probe, episode number 39, Who Done Done It? Who just introduced the episode? It's a mystery! What? Welcome to... No, not the mind probe. It's mysterious. I was being mysterious. Yeah, I thought. Very mysterious. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a podcast um, where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever. And we're, we're committed to that. We're doing that. So so please stop asking us to stop. Deal. Uh, <laughs> um, my name is John Grant, and I am a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I have been watching it for 36 years. And that is confirmed. We're definitely good with that. Yep, we're good with 36. We will have to update that periodically, almost annually. My name is Porter Mason, and John's been asking me to watch Doctor Who for 24 years, and I finally said yes. And I am Kim Mason, or Mrs. Probe, or Doctor Who Virgin. No one's been asking me to watch Doctor Who for 35 years, and I'd like to keep it that way. And I'm Mike Van Opstel, and I've had no choice but to be watching Doctor Who for almost 10 years. So each episode, uh, as you all know, on No, Not the Mind Probe, we look at two stories. We go through the new Doctor Who series in order, and our Doctor Who curator, John, finds a pairing with a classic story. But this time, stunt casting special episode sweeps edition, we are joined by our lovely and talented spouses. Isn't that right, John? Yeah, why, you may ask? Uh, we don't know. We aren't sure why. Um, but <laughs> we just wanted them to actually listen to an episode of the podcast. Uh, so this is the only way to do it is to actually be <laughs> And now, honey, you did listen to the first one or two episodes. Is that right? I did. I did. I was very confused. <laughs> <laughs> she was confused as to how like, how to get a podcast for one thing. <laughs> that was part of it. I was also very confused on how, how John got so drawn in for 36 years. Ah, well, um, uh, I'm a huge geek, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it helps to have grown up in uh, rural New Hampshire in the 80s when uh, there were only the three networks in PBS. And so Doctor Who was on PBS, and that pretty much um, was the only thing to do on a Saturday afternoon. So there you go. So I watched it. Actually, this is a golden era of uh, uh, Monday through Friday. It was on WGBH Boston after the McNeil Era report. So I used to get very acquainted with the McNeil Era uh, final <laughs> 10 minutes. Uh, and they just did one 25-minute episode each night. And then on Saturday, another uh, channel, WENH11, also PBS, would do the movie-length version. So they would they would be on a different schedule, and they would show sort of a full story. Um, so I, yeah, six days a week, Doctor Who, just coming so at fair, you. It's fair to say your dance card was full. You had a full social calendar there. Yeah, yeah, I didn't go out much. <laughs> It's I used to actually miss a lot, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so it's fair to say also that Mike rescued you from a life of seclusion. <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose, but then anyone who's ever dated me or ended up marrying me uh, has to watch it, right? So they actually get dragged down <laughs> into it, really. So it's, it's not really a rescue. Uh, it's more like you put the rope down a well, and then I just pulled them into it. So <clears throat> That's the truth. So we, uh, this is exciting. So we're going to recap these episodes. So we can verify, I can verify over here, John, that Kim did watch these episodes. All right. And so they're going to help uh, 
recap and add their thoughts and you guys also get to rank these episodes you only have you can rank them one or which one do you... yeah. <laughs> well or kim we could pause it kim could go watch all the other episodes we've just watched and then you know get into the spirit well um, let's now, start with these so what, what did we watch this episode john uh yeah so this uh this week we are looking at murder mysteries uh and actually uh, slightly cheating here um this is a pairing that we did for a uh doctor who night that mike and i hosted when we lived in amsterdam and we were inviting people over um not randomly they signed up but uh and <laughs> and we were showing different doctor who episodes and so i paired these two up because it's a pretty natural pairing so mike has already cheated and seen both of these episodes together so he's ready for this so you really are like a doctor who sommelier then absolutely yeah um each one has a linking theme um some more coherent than others uh <laughs> it was not easy necessarily to, like we had uh, what was it uh, um, a couple episodes ago the linking theme was a giant brain there were giant brains in them so sometimes the linking theme is like both these episodes had people in them <laughs> yeah exactly it can be loose look there are a lot of doctor who episodes to <laughs> All right, um, let's, get, let's get to recapping right, yes, the we have to actually two. say what they are yes uh so wait uh the episodes are uh we're all thrown out of our rhythm here uh this week we are moving on in the uh david Tennant uh donna noble series and we are go- doing the unicorn and the wasp uh, the celebrity historical this season where we meet agatha christie uh, and then uh, following that, we are pairing it with the fifth doctor, Adric, Nissa, and Tegan. It's very full house uh, story, Black Orchid. All right. Let's recap these episodes. This is uh, Unicorn and the Wasp is season four, episode seven of the new series. It aired on the 17th of May, 2008. It is story number 194. We're going to play a little clip of that, which is going to start. Mrs. Christie was right. Go into the sitting room. I will question each of you in turn. Come along. Do as the doctor says. The room undisturbed. Plucky young girl who helps me out. No police women in 1926. I'll pluck you in a minute. Why don't we phone the real police? Well, the last thing I want is PC blood sticking his nose in. Especially now I've found this. Charles Dickens and he's surrounded by ghosts at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, come on. It's not like we could drive across country and find Enid Blyton having tea with Noddy. Could we? Noddy's not real. Is he? Tell me there's no Noddy. There's no Noddy. So, uh, question. Did, did people know who Noddy was? I did not. Did you? You, you lived in England, no? <laughs> Kim, have you, ever, have you ever heard of Noddy? I did not. It's apparently, it's some sort of children's character. He's like a little doll thing or something like that. Um, uh, and uh, it's been running forever over there, so it's very well known. But given how much I know about English culture, I'm surprised I'd never heard of it, but I had not. So. I, For some reason, when I watched it, I subconsciously thought of Dobby the house elf from Harry Potter. and I. But I thought it can't be that, but I, <laughs> that's all I can think of. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, you know, it all works. Uh, <laughs> it's British. All right, so here's here's what happened. We have David David Tennant, the Tenth Doctor, and Donna invite themselves 
to a dinner party. So this is one of those where they show up here and just decide, you know, often when these begin, it's not clear why they showed up in a certain place. Sometimes there's like a distress signal and they're going to a place specifically for a reason. Other times, like the ship malfunctions and they end up in a place. This, it's felt like they were just sort of window shopping. They just showed up at this party on the English countryside. Although it's interesting that um, in the last uh, Martha episode, he actually said, wouldn't it be great to meet Agatha Christie uh, and sort of telegraph that this was, this must've been in the works by then. Um, So kind of hinting that that was going to happen. I think he's done that a few other times too and said, oh, it'd be cool to meet Charles Dickens or whatever. And then they do that season. So, so they show up and then they just referenced in that little speech. They said, well, this is so on the nose. Like if we met Charles Dickens with ghosts on Christmas and that was actually an episode from season one and they met Charles, (laughs) um, (laughs) that happened. Um, anyway, they are thrilled. They, they yeah. So they're surprised to meet Agatha Christie to your point. It seemed like they, they, they didn't know that that was going to happen. And, uh, they, they realize that the, they, they, this dinner party is, historically the day where she this is true that she disappeared for a period of 10 days and in her real life and no one knew why or what happened and it was never i don't think it was ever resolved like no she uh, it was never explained and she um she just skipped it in her autobiography she never really talked about it then um, people think that she had some kind of breakdown and this was like the most logical explanation of where right. she could yeah, and this makes sense. I think. Yeah, <laughs> she, she was chased by a giant bee. That wouldn't do it well, to anybody. <laughs> you take a few well, days off too. <laughs> so they have these historical episodes like, I don't know, what would you say, John, like one to three times a season. And sometimes they do sort of try to tie up a loose end, like try to fit into history or say, oh, wow, this is actually what caused it. Other times um, it's kind of a completely aside to what's going on like history is just happening nearby and uh you know or they're historical characters but it's not an actual event that's known yeah i mean uh, filling a gap some sort of historical mystery you know is it gets to the point that we were talking about in an early episode which is you know what can you do in history you can't change anything well if nobody knows what happened then you can do whatever you want in that space so that i think that's why they do it Well, um, anyway, the party really livens up when someone's dead. Someone dies, and that's always fun. That will happen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they're kind of starting to investigate uh, Donna. They discover a weird substance left that the doctor identifies as some sort of residue indicative of an alien. And uh, they're, they're kind of split up, uh, which you want to do uh, in a creepy old house. And Donna sees an enormous, gigantic wasp outside. I have a huge fear of wasps. So this was a triggering episode for me. I did not really enjoy that. <laughs> this episode also taught you how to kill a, a wasp, in fact. Turn That's it into diving into a bowl. You just hold up a magnifying glass and it instantly becomes a laser. Yeah, I mean, it was very powerful magnifying <laughs> Get a magnifying glass and shoot a powerful laser at it. Or get it to become obsessed with the gem and then throw that gem into a right. lake. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that is that is... Tried and true common sense easy solutions for anyone yeah so there's an enormous wasp and um the doctor sort of explains that oh this is some kind of alien that can morph into different uh vesper form yes vesper form so the the yeah they scared off with a magnifying glass donna uh well, the one, the first time she does it, she actually angles the sun at it. The second time, she just holds up a magnifying glass. And the <laughs> away. But anyway, uh, they're trying to kind of keep it contained because the doctor's saying it's going to turn back into a person and then we'll know who who solved the mystery. I, I mean, who killed the, the person. Uh, then the housekeeper uh, 
kind of hears about what's going on and says, oh, I have to tell the lady something. And when she goes outside, uh, a big gargoyle falls on her head, kills her. So that's that's too bad for her. So then <laughs> they uh, they they kind of then decide to do the a b- bunch of classic Agatha Christie scenes, one where they isolate each witness and talk through, um, you know, where were you and what were you thinking of? And the way they show it in in the episode, everyone everything everyone's saying is a lie so they're they're telling they're saying various things about what they were doing um but then you're seeing the actual thing that uh that were happening they do a bunch of gags with that too which to me was a little more like jokey than i've seen at least with this current season like david the doctor was saying something and kind of got went on a mental like got sidetracked almost free associated and started talking about like oh then i was in brazil and i met Charlemagne or whatever he said and uh (laughs) And they had to get snapped back in of like, stop talking about this, you know. Um, so it was very a little jokier than uh, they don't really have it. It's definitely a comedy, this episode. Yeah. They don't solve the mystery. And then they ultimately do the second kind of Agatha Christie thing, which is let's gather everyone together in the drawing room and give the big speech where we kind of reveal everyone's motives. And, um, and, did and you, they did put- you? Did you yeah. catch one of the jokes in there? It was um, stolen from us from our mystery show that we did back at Duke and uh, how many years ago? Um, the the thing where she wants to accuse the or said um, you didn't actually do it, or she said something about somebody and revealed something, and then was like that really has nothing to do with this. You you know, you, or it's when he stood up, right? He's like, oh, I'm actually crippled, and she's like, oh, I didn't I didn't know that at all. We did that <laughs> right, joke, right? <laughs> right. I can only assume they saw that show. Yeah, I remember it was the show we did. So this is back, Probers. This is back in our improv careers, our storied uh, improv careers, which are which are heavily scripted, really. Uh, we <laughs> in many ways. a lot of scripted improv shows, which may have when more yeah. kind of. But I like this one. So this one was I like this one maybe because it was possibly my idea. But uh, uh, we took a, a <laughs> we took a string of improv games and sort of loosely fitted them together uh, on sort of a classic mystery plot, right? So we had the audience suggest uh, um, uh, the victim and the who. I don't know if they suggested the killer or not, but a few other things. Uh, and then we had like, uh, you know, the introduction scene was maybe ABCs or something. And then we did, I remember we did a dinner party where they're all like together backwards. Games yeah. So we did a backwards dinner party. Uh, and then it gets to the end and they do sort of the grand, I think Flynn was the, uh, Flynn was the detective. He was playing Oprah. I still remember the show. Uh, oh I God. liked it. <laughs> it was a parents weekend show. It was very successful. Well, uh, this episode of Dr. Who clearly a reference to that. Um, yeah, I must have that, seen it. Uh, so uh, they gather everybody together. Everyone has sort of yeah, kind of motives. I mean, it's not quite like an Agatha Christie thing. Everyone really has a strong motive as to who they might have killed. And this one, I, I don't know. They, they, they were all there and <laughs> somebody died while they were there. So I guess <laughs> that there was the potential. Uh, the woman who played the ultimately so then some things get revealed you mentioned the old man it gets revealed that he's not actually in a wheelchair he's just in a wheelchair to get sympathy from his wife uh there's a young woman who no one even seemed to know why she was there and it was like because she's a thief <laughs> um but that woman is uh, acts in a bunch of stuff and weren't we saying that she played ruth Bader ginsburg in that movie and really? um uh she's in a bunch of stuff she's very familiar I'll look her up while while you go on one of your rants at some point. Well, I, I will rant about uh, the other actors, and of course, the more obscure British actors, who I recognize immediately. Um, uh, Felicity Kendall plays uh, the the sort of matriarch of the house. She uh, um, been in sitcoms forever. She's most famous for Good Neighbors, right? The uh, 
She's come in like the 70s, which is a very cool show. She's an adorable woman. She's beautiful. Um, uh, and uh, Christopher Benjamin, uh, you may recognize Porter. It's not. No, uh, Christopher Benjamin <laughs> is, um, remember in Inferno, there was Sir Keith Gold, the guy who uh, uh, was the civil servant who um, they, they tried to kill in the car accident or whatever. Uh, that was that was him. Uh, same same actor. Um, so back, what, Inferno was 1974? No, earlier than that, 70. So, um, yeah, coming back after a very long time. This okay, is a guy well, in a, a that, wheelchair. That's right. the person you recognize. I recognize yeah. Felicity Jones, who is like a world-famous actress and in lots of movies. Okay, totally uh, did not. <laughs> <laughs> she was in The Theory of Everything. She was the lead in Rogue One, a Star Wars, the Star Wars movie. Oh, um, oh, okay. On the basis of sex was when she played RBG, and and uh, so she's an all sorts. She's a lovely actress. But she's, again, uh, Christopher Benjamin was in a Doctor Who episode in 1970. <laughs> <laughs> Common everyday knowledge, people. <laughs> so anyway, what we end up finding out, um, what uh, kind of Agatha, uh, Chrissy, and the doctor deduce is that what happened is uh, the lady of the house went to, where was she when this when this happened? She had an illegitimate India, child. Yeah. She went to India. She had an illegitimate child. She came back. And what had been said at the time is that she was sick with malaria and recovering for months. But actually, she was pregnant, giving birth. They hid the child. Um, and then, you know, I mean, you know, no one, no one checked into this. Well, she and very then, casually has sex with it and gets impregnated by an alien, right? She knew he was an alien. I think, um, yeah, the, the she guy yeah, and turned she, into a wasp and she was like, I'm OK. OK, <laughs> I can work with this. The whole plot kind of reads like a Mad Lib. Like somebody <laughs> just. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's actually a very gothic mystery, right? Is the the kid locked in the attic and the secret marriages and you know children and all i mean it's very classic gothic story so as well, so like what working. happened here is the son who is i guess half vesper form by the way in doctor who um there's you know millions of different races and aliens they can all have sex with humans humans <laughs> are like the the interchangeable part <laughs> with all of this it's all fine so they had a baby and uh the baby is actually the vicar who's been here also at the party the whole time, who is also a very familiar actor to me, but I don't know his name. Um, like he, he feels like this British character actor that I've seen in other things. At any rate, um, he got angry. And uh, a few days ago when someone came in to steal the, like, came in to like steal the crosses in the church yeah you're sure yeah. <laughs> they're like ha, 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 like like cackling <laughs> as they stole the crosses and it got him so angry and kind of like a, a, an incredible hulk thing was like you wouldn't like me when i'm angry because they turned into a huge wasp and then, <laughs> and then i guess because in the moment that that happened he, he it's like he psychically connected with the mother and she was reading Ag agatha christie which is why he was sort of playing out all these agatha christie novels so it, it felt like this isn't the right term for it but the kind of tie up at the end it felt the same way that a deus ex machina feels where it's like and because it just sort of tied it up in this bizarre way that it was like oh this is no one would have ever figured this out <laughs> like it's just it's so specific um yeah and it, it seemed to work they worked very hard to get that in and it's sort of like I think we all would have been fine if they just, because she was being around people being murdered all the time. Like, I mean, it's, it's a TV show. Like, 
it would be boring if you went and she was doing nothing, just sitting at home drinking tea. Like, like it's right, like we right. accept that interesting things are going to happen when you meet these people in in, in fiction stories. So it's cool. So, <laughs> I guess the thing that there and that, that also it was like a long walk for for this part of it, which is at the end when, as we mentioned, as we spoiled earlier in the show, <laughs> uh, the way they kill the wasp is oh, the wasp becomes obsessed with this like a, a gem that has something to do with the Vesper form essence or something like that. And uh, Donna just chucks it in the lake and the wasp runs in after it. Uh, very short sighted of the wasp. I know you want your gem, but I mean, if you know that, you know, you're going to, and also that means it's drowning itself because it yeah. could fly out of the water. It's just staying in the I water. Think, and once it itself. gets wet, it can't, but I mean, remember it oh. was also, it did not manage to cat. It was flying. And did not manage to catch a car that appeared to be going about ten miles per hour down the street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was just kind of giving the car some distance, you know, uh, like being safe, like the old sure. toss a gem trick. The old toss a gem trick, right? <laughs> and then so, what? The long walk they went was like something about that experience, and and the the gem exploding or whatever, whatever gave Agatha Christie some level of amnesia. And so they're like, aha, see, that's why she was missing her memory for 10 days. And was like, oh, yes, that's a very neat explanation. <laughs> that's why that would have happened. Like, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, it fits together. Um, oh, and, and then the last thing, then they show, um, and that also neatly means why she forgets ever meeting the doctor and stuff like that. But then they show a book of hers. And I looked this up. It was true where they showed the picture of that book, Death in the Clouds was the name of it. And a big B on it. That is actually a cover of of one of her books. Yeah, but I, um, the, I've read it. The um, uh, the bee is not giant. It does not attack the plane as it appears to be cover. doing. It. <laughs> well, no, that's true. It's just a regular size wasp. No, it actually didn't. <laughs> but that, but I thought that was cute. The way that was like, oh, and then the the implication was, well, there's maybe echoes of this are still in her memory or something like that. So yeah. Anyway, as I say at this point, John, what what did I miss here? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually not a particularly complicated plot. Um, so yes, it is true about her disappearance. Uh, she did go missing. I think it was for ten days. Uh, and they, when they found her, she was waitressing in a hotel. Like she'd gone and gotten a job and and just started a new life. I guess but she um, didn't even know she was Agatha Christie. Yeah, that's not clear if like, you know, when they showed up and they were like, hey, you're Agatha Christie. She was like, oh, OK. But like, <laughs> it's hard. to. I don't understand. I don't think she was hospitalized or anything afterwards. So I, she must have recovered pretty quickly. And, you know, I wonder uh, if she kind of wanted to just, you know, leave her fame behind or something. Well, yeah, because she was also embarrassed about the divorce, which was which is true. Uh, they mentioned in the show, uh, and um, and yeah, she may have, she was really famous or getting more famous. I think she'd only written like seven books at that by that point, and she ended up writing over like forty or fifty, I think, in her lifetime. But um, uh, yeah, and I think she was just sort of maybe embarrassed and just wanted to get away. Um, so yeah, it's a although again, why would you leave your car abandoned? That is also true. <laughs> um, well, right, because it's then very you're, le- you're leaving this very noticeable you know like an agatha christie clue here behind yeah i mean now if if um embarrassment amnesia was possible i'd love that like if you got really incredibly embarrassed and then you just <laughs> lost your mind and never remembered it that'd be amazing but it was anguish 
It was anguish. That's anguish right. That, Embarrassment. That, that, that wasp was killing people because it thought that's what the oh, world was truly okay. like because yes. the books were, were, were injected into him when, when he became wasp-like. Okay, that's true. And we will we will talk about this, uh, the gruesomeness of these murder mysteries. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yes, uh, she is the uh, number one best-selling author of all time. I believe she's outsold the Bible or maybe only short of the Bible. Wait, that's really true? She's yeah. the number one? Yeah. She's written a lot of books. She beat the Bible. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> one, Jesus zero. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. The Bible's pretty dull. Uh, but uh, Christy books are great. Um, it's written by Gareth Roberts, who also wrote... Um, uh, wait, who wrote one last... He wrote The Shakespeare Code, which is one of your favorites, Porter. Um, and again, they tend to have a more humorous like uh, slant when he's writing. He wrote, uh, he wrote some of the books back in the 90s, and they were also leaning towards funny. Um, did you catch... I don't know how many Agatha Christie books you've read. Did you catch all the book titles? So... Uh, uh, no, no. I only really know them from I, some of the movies. My sister was oh, a... Happy birthday, uh, Pam. My sister, Pam. Uh, uh, happy birthday, Pam. Noted uh, fan of Agatha Christie. And uh, so I would I was kind of around them. And then I watched some of the movies. Well, like so uh, uh, Gareth Roberts and Russell T. Davies had a competition to see how many titles of her books they could work into the dialogue. So all through it, um, Sparkling Cyanide, Why Didn't They Ask Evans... Um, uh, nemesis. I mean, they, she, there are quite a few. I think uh, the Wikipedia page actually tells you how many they got, but um, some of them feel a little bit forced, but in general, they, they did a pretty good job. Um, which obviously, if you're a well read person like myself, uh, you would you would catch all these things, but I understand they go past the rest of you. <laughs> um, exactly, it's we have just, tiny yeah, brains, um, we have little tiny brains. What are words on paper? <laughs> Uh, this is another great Donna episode. Again, she's the one who solves it at the end. This is, I think, the second or third in a row where she's been the one who who figures out how to solve the whole thing uh, and 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 end it. Um, you didn't mention. I love the poisoning scene. The one of uh, the doctor drinks the cyanide, and they have this very physical comedy sort oh, yeah. of Abbott and Costello, nothing to do with the plot thing where they go into the kitchen and, and he mines things and she's like making bad guesses. It's very funny. It's very Catherine Tate, right? It's very something that she could do. Well, um, so that's a great scene. And also it provides the obligatory clip of the companion kissing the doctor, which is then put into the trailers at the beginning of the season. So everybody's like, oh, why is she kissing the doctor? And then they get all of a sudden, it's like, no, nope, there's always a reason. The last, so the last two uh, seasons, the doctor has been with companions uh, who are like the people traveling with them. They're called his companions uh, that there's either a, an overt or an undercurrent of like, are they going to hook up? Which was never a thing in the old doctor who's, but um and it sort of like took over the side plots of the show. And so with with Catherine Tate, with this woman coming on, they had a couple episodes earlier on the season where she made it abundantly clear that she was like not attracted to him at all and thought he was kind of stupid looking. <laughs> and um, so this was sort of a funny like it was nice to have this kiss in there knowing full well that like. And I love the running gag that they have of people mistaking them for a couple and being like, oh, this is Mr. and Mrs. And like, no, 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 we're not married. Now a couple of us have done that now. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, in other words, it's yeah. a solid episode. It's very funny. Um, uh, it's pretty self-contained. So, I mean, Kim, did you feel lost at all? You have not uh, seen as much as we have. Did you were you able to follow the story without you know knowing through that? Yeah, I was. I was able. I was able to follow it. I 
thought it was pretty funny, I think. Um, but yeah, there's just so much going on. There's so much going on. It just all seems very random. Every piece seems well, random. Well, yeah, you kept saying for this, because we watched this one first, I think, and it certainly continued in the next one where Kim would just repeatedly say every minute or two, the show is just so bizarre, right? I mean, that's Yeah, what... like it just feels like, every, again, like a Mad Lib to me. Like everybody just said, okay, pick a noun, gargoyle. Okay, we're going to drop a gargoyle on someone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's from, and then there were none. Actually, it's stolen from other books. But um, so I'm going to take it then that you have not seen the one where a giant Titanic almost crashes into Buckingham Palace and kills the queen. Um, <clears throat> yeah. No, I have not seen now, that. That one actually, I think, that would be a better one for you to watch. It's actually like, I mean, you you would have similar feelings about it, but <laughs> that was a kind of a bigger plot, and I don't know. Somehow, I think you would maybe enjoy that one better. Plus, yeah, Kylie, I mean, apparently, we Kylie love Kylie Minogue. We've been instructed Kylie by Paul Minogue. that we love her. Uh, <laughs> um, Mike, this is your. You were well into your Doctor Who watching. What did you think of this episode? Uh, I think you're right. There's so many different side stories going on. You haven't even touched the most salacious part of the story. Oh, yeah. The, the Roger yeah, yeah. and Davenport. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, then true. they killed him. It's like, oh. It's oh, true. Just... Face down in the soup. It's the way most gay people die. <laughs> this story has actually has a lot of very, very little detail sprinkled through that that you kind of need to to get the whole story together at the end i thought so there there's it's a, it is a complex story with lots of little side things going on it's there, there's there is a lot going on and again using a lot of you know things that happen in christie books there's a lot of salacious details in there that are sort of undercurrents right the gay uh, relationship and you know her having the baby and all of these sort of things that uh, she wrote about all the time in her books but very sort of acceptably right in the 20s style so she you know she was she would mention it and you know only later when i went back and looked at them i was like oh those people were gay or something like that. but um you know she 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 was all under the radar but still sort of writing these pot boiler mysteries at the same time it sounds like there were a lot of goose eggs in the in this episode so if you're up to date on your agatha christie knowledge and all of the prior episodes i think then it's like oh look at that how they work that in like the book title you know, but if you're not familiar with it, then it just seems very random. So I take it you have not read Agatha Christie, uh, you guys. I have, I have not. My sister used to also, actually, um, but you, I have not. You read British literature, but more like before that time, right? Yes, I was actually an 18th century British lit major in college. Ah. Yeah, they don't right. tend to sign Agatha Christie, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they will. <laughs> um, no, they're great. She's, uh, I mean, they're very... Um, uh, so she is sort of the founder of the. She was sort of like the James Patterson of her time. Yeah, I mean, she definitely <laughs> produced a lot. Um, she she did very, she does very good characters, and they have uh, the dialogue is really good. Like I, I sort of on a Dickens level, right? Of of people talking like real people would talk, um, which I, is very cool. Um, she uh, she's sort of the founder of the modern mystery. So uh, she was the uh, I think first head of a. Um, it's like the mystery writers society or something, but basically all these mystery writers after her got together and they said, there are going to be rules, right? We have to write these books uh, so that they're puzzles and people can solve them. Uh, and so we have, they had rules like you can't have a character pick up something uh, that's important, but not say what it is. Like, ah, I picked up the vital clue and then not mention it. You cannot, uh, the murderer can't be a character who's never been in the book before. <laughs> like they sort of set out all these things that like, this is how you have to write these uh, in order to be fair to the readers. And so they, they sort of created this, cabal of mystery writers uh dorothy sayers ellery queen all these people and they they basically created all the rules that uh you know still kind of govern these books uh the classic mystery books 
uh, to this day. Well, why don't we move on to our classic episode, uh, another mystery classic. And this was season 19. It's 19 seasons. That's a lot of seasons. Uh, story number five. It's called black orchid. This is the fifth doctor. Uh, who is the doctor's daughter's daughter right. and the doctor's uh, the doctor's brother yeah. <laughs> father-in-law it's very confusing yeah. <laughs> we just found out that in real life that actor who was the fifth doctor his daughter married the tenth doctor oh, and so, so it's all a whole yeah. thing and then that woman played a character called the doctor's <laughs> daughter and it's very confusing. Did they meet at like a Doctor Who reunion or whatever? Like so, they, so they met on the uh, on that episode, uh, and then he started dating her. Yep, and, and, you know, I'm still not sure he didn't. He was playing the Doctor's daughter, but they ended up getting married. It's confusing, but like, uh, I think he just wanted to meet Peter Davis, and he's like, okay, I'll, I'll marry her. Um, actually, uh, the uh, Georgia Moffat uh, has a pretty entertaining Twitter account, and she once posted a picture. I think it was over Christmas or something. Of David Tennant and Peter Davison changing a light bulb, and just said, "How many doctors does it take to change a light bulb?" <laughs> well, anyway, that's that woman, that very uh, engaging woman's dad is plays the doctor in this episode. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, we have Adric, Tegan, and Nissa. Tegan and Nissa, I think, can ju- had just kind of joined on here, uh, right? Not too long before this. Yeah, about four uh, four stories before this. So yeah, at the end of uh, uh, Tom Baker's run, yeah. And this is a two-episode story. It's story number 120, and it aired on uh, right right one after another, the 1st and 2nd of March. So it must have uh, been some kind of a little uh, bit of special there. And here is a clip of that episode. Ah, and my dear, come and meet the hero of the day. And Great Scott. Anne Talbot, my fiancé, this is Nissa. How do you do? How do you do? This is the Doctor. And Tegan and uh, Adric. Worcester. Have you an Uncle Percy? Not a Worcestershire Talbot. Then where are you from? Traken. Where's that? Near Esher, isn't it? Could there be Talbots near Esher? Not possible. The hunt isn't good enough. Well, Doctor, what can I offer you? Brucey here can make absolutely anything quite superbly. Well, I, I do have a terrible thirst. Perhaps uh, a lemonade with lots of ice. Uh huh. And? The same as the doctor, please. My dear? A screwdriver, please. Ah, a screwdriver booster. And? Uh, thank you. I'll have the same. <clears throat> I'm going to make that orange juice for the children, Brewster. Bob, same again. Thank you, Charles. And a Tom Collins. Now, I picked that one. Uh, just drink ordering. <laughs> <laughs> I, I picked that one because it sums up the first episode, which is nothing of relevance happens in the entire first episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's funny. So we'll recap this episode. As we mentioned in our riveting pre-show, which is available to our uh, high-level uh, Patreon backers, whoever's giving us $1,000 a month, uh, got the pre-show. And uh, I mentioned that we fell asleep two or three times watching this episode. Um, so in a way, the funny thing is that I actually know it very well because we kept having to start back because we're like, I we fell asleep. I Let's start, let's start over again. So yeah, it's two episodes. And the first episode consists entirely of uh, stopping at this kind of mansion on the english countryside playing cricket for an extended period of time um which if you don't understand cricket and that's basically everyone in the world even the people playing cricket do not understand cricket no one understands it and to watch just like watch that for an extended period of time was very confusing uh, and then get just getting introduced to everyone at this party 
and then ordering drinks and drinking them. That was like the bulk of the first episode. Basically, and then at the end, someone murders someone, and then you move into the story. <laughs> right. And then, right. And as we just heard there, Nissa is like an identical, like a doppelganger of one of the women at the party who's getting married. Um, they decide they're having a fancy dress party, which is a costume party. Uh, and they join in, and then we find someone's murdered. Um, and the doctor also finds someone's murdered. So the doctor's off uh, kind of exploring somewhere in the mansion. He finds a body. And then also we find someone dressed up in the doctor's costume dances off with. Actually, we don't know if it's Nissa or the other young woman. Um, and is we're all we're not sure if he's trying to kill her, or just steal her away. Then she's a kind of breathes kinda, heavy at her for a while, and then a butler comes in and <laughs> he's trying right, to kill the butler. <laughs> Very Phantom of the Opera vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So the right, so that's the end of the first episode. So then the next episode, we're basically just solving this mystery um, because the doctor comes downstairs in the outfit, and they're immediately accusing him. He, uh, he's trying to, and he's has a pretty clear alibi because he was with the lady of the house, but the lady of the house refuses to chime in or just mention that where they were uh, she's clearly hiding something about where they just were um and ultimately we find out and then we start seeing scenes oh also she's with uh uh someone who's like sort of uh uh like some sort of aboriginal tribe or something yeah, brazilian uh native uh yeah. right who's it's, it's a your uh, point about like mad libs he just starts showing up occasionally you're like whoa okay what's this? this is out of nowhere and it's never really explained i mean later on in, in the motive but it, but he's really just dropped into the plot and we also see that he's sort of guarding someone who we don't see for a long time who's this hidden figure who's kind of yeah i don't know they're they're slobbering and, and breathing heavy <laughs> that's what we see yeah, and they're yeah, they character <laughs> They keep being tied up very poorly, and uh, <laughs> like yes, he escapes that. many times uh, right when they're in the room. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so the doctor is able to. The doctor has to basically pull the ultimate thing, which is he's like, um, "Step, step into my time machine, and then you will believe that I have a time machine." Which to <laughs> me seemed like pretty big, but it's funny. I wanted to explain to you that, like, you know, the doctor. The doctor is this, this is alien. They travel around in time. They go on adventures. Now they're not supposed to really get involved or mess change things about you know you know the standard time travel thing. You're not supposed to like change history. That said, they obviously get involved in lots of events. But um, it's funny to me, especially when they visit Earth, how re- like how much he's able to get by by just saying I'm the doctor, never saying any identifying information about himself, which they get into here a little. They're like, hey, that's very suspicious. But rarely do people ever even say, this is suspicious. Why aren't you telling me your name? And then also, they often when they're asked like, who are you? They don't they don't try to be like, oh, I'm so and I'll, I'll try to think of a cover story. He just says. Yeah, I'm an alien, and I go around times like. So and no, it, he doesn't normally show people his time machine. Usually, no. it, it doesn't come to that because the funniest thing is he just says, "Well, I'm yeah, I'm an alien. I'm a time lord," and they'll just sort of laugh it off or move along. Like you, he never needs to lie or give a cover story often because people just brush past it it's very interesting and it's actually well, fairly it, believable when it's yeah done. i mean if you try at the next party you go to if someone says oh what do you do for a living say i'm an alien i travel in time and space i'll bet they'll break the conversation <laughs> 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 we'll move well, on 
anyway, what we find is, uh, let me see if I can get this right. It's all again, kind of unravels all at once at the end, which is <sighs> she <laughs> went to Brazil, which I guess we were supposed to know. No, no. He, the son yeah. went to Brazil to look for a black orchid. I never recall that being mentioned at any point earlier. I guess it was. I do not remember that. Uh, it felt in like the first step, blue... yeah. In the first episode, Tegan sees it. There's a black orchid in a glass case, and she okay. sees it and comments and, on it. And they, yeah, yeah. I, it just, so he went. I guess he's an orchid hunter, and yeah, an adventurer. Yeah. And then while he was there, this is like a sacred thing to that tribe. They captured him. It looks like they burned him. Uh, you know, or something disfigured him, and he kind of came back uh, mentally, uh, like destroyed too. So they've been keeping him kind of hidden, like you know, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. He was, uh, he was initially going to marry the woman who looks exactly like Nissa, and then I. So then, who now married him? The brother? The brother? Yeah. So yeah, you know how it works. Oh. The brother just steps in. Um, <laughs> oh. And actually, if you look uh, in the, um, so she gives him the book, Black Orchid, at the end. And when he, the doctor opens it, you can see um, the picture of the author in the book jacket, and it looks exactly like uh, um, the guy, the guy, right? So it appears that the, they were twins, or they looked very much alike. So okay, yeah, and you just step right so in. So he's come back. He's mentally unwell. And but he kind of remembers that he was in love with this woman. And so that's why he came down and did this. They then then he comes back and steals. And this time Nissa um, and then runs off with him. And then they try to the kind of contain him and get Nissa back. And uh, this was interesting because the final scene and we were both watching it. We were definitely because, again, we had to start it and stop it again. Um, they're at the top of the mansion and. The, what ends up happening is I, what I've read it as he they get us away from him. And then the man goes toward his disfigured brother to say, like, let's embrace like, come on, I'll hug you. Uh, but the brother recoils and falls off and kills himself. But you thought I thought he was pushed. Yeah, no, no, I think he's recoiling. Yes, yeah, so it really didn't need to happen. Right. It's it's tragic. It's very tragic. Um, but yeah, I think he was just uh, freaked out by the brother coming towards him to hug him and then falls backwards over the edge. So it's, it's sad, sad. So that's uh, actually much- fun fact, fun fact on that. Uh, so the stuntman missed, uh, or at least his legs missed the, the mats that were supposed to hit when he jumped off. And so the sound you hear in the show is actually his legs hitting the ground. He's fine. He's fine. But oh, yes. God. <laughs> Um, so the last thing I just so that was it and then the last thing I just wanted to mention is I like their fancy dress costumes I like that bug costume that Nissa had it was cute I think like that that little hat with the antennas coming out was really funny and I thought Tegan was very cute I kind of have a crush on Tegan now so that's that's my other note is like now I like Tegan and if you're gonna be murdered I mean it's a lot more fun if someone's dressed up as like a court yes, jester so. yeah. well the Harlequin is creepy yeah um, uh, oh, Tegan uh, yeah. Tegan is actually having a great time she's, she's in the best mood she's in any Doctor Who normally she's always complaining and she hates everything but she's actually and I think she was gonna hook up with that guy she was dancing with I mean oh, they were yeah. having a great time yeah they were really hitting it off well, she's Australian. They just have fun. <laughs> um, yeah, that that it's funny that Harlequin cost costume. 
um that was one of the like i said you would just every two minutes be like what is this show and when the harlequin costume came out she was like what is going on it was because it was just so creepy uh the that's the costume that the murderer does end up wearing and the doctor was meant to wear but yeah it is a very creepy one what what is this so have you ever gone to a masquerade party and actually gotten like a a, ran did like a really nice costume one time they had years ago years ago and did you did you just not have time and you needed to rent something quickly or did you it was that the intent to like get uh, get this or nice costume no it, it was it was the intent to get like a nice costume it was kind of like a a very elaborate gold gown and it had the whole big mask and it was kind of cool oh so it I was mean, it wasn't like a costume it was like a well yeah like a gown venetian and... mask but i mean it was it was definitely like a dated like a, a hmm. period piece yeah. Like the like the Venice thing, right? With the masks and the is that yep. yeah. Mike, have you ever done that? Yes, but that was for a charity gala. Okay. So that was just a rental. What yeah. is I the point? Too, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're all very charitable and busy. Porter and I are doing a podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys um, are over here in, in eyes white shut and we're like in the basement talking about Doctor Who. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I always see these things on TV, and I'm like, "What is the point of that?" I mean, you just you're just paying money to get something that you didn't make or put together yourself. Like, I mean, it feels like a. Or I always thought as a kid, and maybe this was just something that was brainwashed into thinking because we had no money. I thought it was it was cool to see the creativity that went into trying to make the costume, right? To try to come up with the pieces. It's so like when I was uh, in like the second grade, I went to Sherlock Holmes. Uh, for Halloween, and uh, instead of the deer stucker hat, I had uh, two baseball caps. Uh, one facing, one facing forward, and one facing backwards. And I was wearing my mother's old riding coat. Uh, <laughs> but it was like, okay, that's the best you could come up with, right? You weren't going to buy a deer stalker, uh for the costume. So I, I'd never quite understood these these really fancy costume parties. What are you doing? <laughs> I would go up to them. What are you doing, people? I love the commitment, like of of you just making everything. I mean, that takes dedication, but that is something that I do not have time for or the skill for. The crap. Well, get it together. You got kids, Kim. You got to be. You know, you got costumes to make. <laughs> you're you're going to be out of the pre oh, uh, the no. little store bought ones, and you're going to have to start making your own soon. No, no, we're definitely. <laughs> I I don't like I don't like halloween i don't mind wearing costumes but like i guess to your point i don't like making them so i'd rather than have it be like a cool costume i want to spend a lot of money on a costume but if it's available you you know if for some reason there are cool costumes available it's fun like dressing up in a costume but like i just i hate the pressure of it growing up i remember or or like when we were older like in our 20s it would be like on the last I would just be like, I don't want to, I don't want to do Halloween. I don't want to do anything. And then on the last day, be like, well, we're going to a party. So you have to dress up. And it was like, oh, <laughs> then finding like anything in your closet that you can yeah. kind of pass off as a, as a costume. It was a lot of pressure. And that's, yeah, I didn't like Halloween either. And maybe that's why DUI never did costumes. We just always <laughs> we sort of half-assed the costumes back in the, back in the day as well. So. My, I, actually, my one costume that I remember was while the year I was living with you, John, I went and i all i had i had a santa hat and so i i I put on a black turtleneck and all black clothes and like a pillow for a belly and a a santa hat and i decided i was like euro santa i was like european (laughs) santa (laughs) but it it was definitely one of those where it's like i just had to explain it over and over and you just got a lot of like oh all right (laughs) 
Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, of course, the uh, gay people, of course, have a. Uh, it's like the oh, sexy yeah. cat, sexy maid thing. But instead, gay people just wear their underwear and like angel wings or something. Like, I'm in a costume. It's like I think you're just you just wanted to not wear any clothes. <laughs> <laughs> It's Happy very National strange. Gay People Month. Uh, it's, you know. Yeah, I think we we yes we're we're celebrating in all the ways of doing a podcast and things like that. Um, Although I guess this will come out and Gay People yeah, Month that's will true. Pass, It'll be over. So please stop celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> Put your gay cost or uh, decorations away. It's no longer our month. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to move on into, and I'm going to warn Kim on this. We're going to move on into. Oh, wait, I, it's still, uh, yeah, I still we haven't even done my recap of things. Oh, my God. There's more to say about the black work. People need facts. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so this is written by Terrence Dudley, not known for uh, uh, some of the better episodes. Um, and interestingly, he wrote a lot of uh, uh, sort of British TV shows, including mysteries. Um, and so Peter Davison once gave an interview where he said he thought that he didn't, they didn't, none of them liked the script, uh, the actors. And he thought that Terrence Dudley just found the script in a drawer somewhere for it was going to be submission to some mystery show. And I was like, oh, I'll just throw the TARDIS in. Which <laughs> um, um, it does kind of, yeah, you might wonder. Uh, this is actually the first uh, story since uh, The Highlanders in 1960, I think, eight. Uh, to be an entirely historical story. So there's no uh, there's no monsters, there's no alien planets. The only sci-fi element is the TARDIS. Um, and they have not done that since uh, since the, the 60s uh, because they sort of scrapped the historical stories. People were just like, I want to see more robots. Screw the histories. histories. Uh, so they kind of dropped them quietly because they were getting lower ratings. But uh, uh, John, I just have a correction here. The Highlanders was actually December 17th, 1966 to the 7th of uh, January, 1967. I'm, I'm very oh, sorry. It's like crossed know. years. Yeah. It's, it's the second Patrick Chapman story. I know that. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, you mentioned that they showed everybody the TARDIS. Usually the doctor's always like, oh, we can't show them the TARDIS. They'll want to take it over and fly it around or, you know, they'll get mud on the floor. So there's always some excuse. Uh, but yeah, I think they've only got two episodes to go. So they're like, all right, we, we've got to move this along. Um this is so uh, uh, after uh, midway through Tom Baker's run. Um, so the Doctor Who at the time was going out uh, 26 episodes. So half a year. Uh, and that allowed for a whole bunch of uh, four parters and then one six parter. Usually the season finale was a six parter. But uh, they decided to drop the six parter. And so that's why you now get this two part one, uh, which is just to, to make out the rest of the season. Uh, and so all Peter Davison's uh, seasons have one two parter. Um and uh, yeah, I think uh, I, just, I just yeah, as I mentioned, Tegan's happy, which is very unusual for the uh, the crew on the TARDIS to have a good time, right? Usually they're running from aliens and they're terrified and you know being attacked and shot at and whatever. Uh, and it's it's nice every once in a while to see them actually enjoying themselves because it's like oh yeah, that you know if if you had if I had one adventure on the TARDIS where you know the planet was almost destroyed or I was almost killed or threatened to be killed with gunsmith, I'd be like okay, I'm going home, like I'm done with this. Um, so there's got to be something good about it, right? There's got to be some reason you you stick around. And so this is kind of showing that I think a little bit that oh they're having fun and you know actually Adric is eating, which apparently was because. Uh, Matthew Waterhouse cannot dance. Uh, they tried to teach them all to do the different dances, uh, and it was just not working. And they're like, you know what? You can just eat, just eat the food, meal <laughs> thing. So, uh, yeah, that's why we have that. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's not a lot to the story, um, but it is kind of uh, something charming about it. I, I like it. Uh, something, and I should say, the you, you thought the uh, the uh, televised story was bad. The book actually, the novelization actually expands on it. There is a, a lengthy, lengthy chapter that's just the cricket, 
Like they're like, ooh, we should put more of this in. Are and you so yeah, serious? they actually, yeah, oh yeah, they they go through the entire opening. Uh, Mike is about to run out to get that book, right? I I see you running out the door. Go check behind you, honey. Oh yeah, he doesn't need to run. Honey. <laughs> it's on the top you of know, the head. It remind me of um. If you guys ever watched, I remember I finally, uh, I forget if this was the first time you watched it, but like years ago, we were like, let's watch the Twilight movie. And if you've ever watched, there we go. <laughs> we're seeing, oh, that scary Harlequin mask. Uh, Mike is holding up the, the Black Orchid novelization to the camera. And that scary Harlequin mask is going to haunt Kim's uh... dreams uh, tonight. <laughs> well, in the Twilight movie, um, which I believe is faithful to the book, there's an extended sequence of them playing weird vampire baseball, and it is so strange. Do you remember that? Oh, it's so. Oh, yes, yes. I remember it so clearly because it was the oddest thing about a, in a very very odd movie, and apparently it's true. I think it was in the book, but just so weird. They just randomly, and this was in like the late. If my memories correct me, the, like the late second act of the movie, like things were really moving along and headed. And it was like a sped up version of baseball, right? Yeah, they sort of like played baseball as a like kind of a main part of the plot, but then also was completely inconsequential. And it almost felt like they were doing it to show off like the special effects, but the special effects were terrible and looked really. <laughs> and it was like, see, we're clearly vampires. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, we're all sparkling. Anyway. Uh, uh, well, so uh, um, that's in Kim's uh, Twilight cast. Uh, well, Kim's Twilight uh, yeah. cast is uh, all about that. So in my Doctor Who. In my Doctor Who fan fiction, you know, yeah, this Harlequin is going to throw me over his shoulder. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> had his way with you. Um, oh. No, but in that case, the books came first, right? And people get very upset if you leave anything out of the movie that was in the books. Like, right, uh, I think right. the uh, Lord of the Rings left out Tom Bombadil, which is the guy yeah. who rescues him yeah. in the forest. It's like it's like a chapter and like a stupid song. And everybody's like, why it's wasn't so that in a movie? He's like, well, the movie was 14 hours long already. And we thought we could trim a little fat. Let me tell you about Tom Bombadil and the Lord of the Rings books. Here's the chapters about Tom Bombadil. They're like, hey, let's do the thing we were meaning to do. Actually, let's stop off and talk to this guy. And then he says, ah, and then, and then they sing a song. And then he says, you probably shouldn't go. And they said, now we're going to go. And then they go. And that's it. And he never returns. And it's so stupid. Yeah, we never knew what happened to him. <laughs> you can kind of see how it got cut. Okay. So now we're going to move on to the theme section. So, uh, honey, this is the deal. After I play this little music, you have to sing a sing a song. And But Ooh. it just the only words. You just have to sing any song you like. But you just have to say the word themes as part of the song. So you just have to any song you like. Anything. You have to make up a song, all right? That would be my role, but you're you're gonna do it, all right? Porter's, ready? Porter's made up thirty-eight of these so far. So I made thirty-eight. You're, one. you're gonna do this well, one. I have to hear an example. <laughs> you just go, you know, you'd be like themes in the morning, themes in the evening, themes at lunchtime, like whatever. It doesn't matter. I liked theming on a big old boat. It's probably theming the- on a big old boat. That's all. It's anything. Are you ready? Lean in close to the microphone here. Theming with a wasp, theming with a <laughs> theming with murder, murder in the morning, mortaring thieves. <laughs> mortaring thieves. It sort of came around there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> murdering themes. Okay. Oh, murdering themes. Okay. Murdering well, themes. well, that's good. Uh, that was very good. <laughs> that's very good. <laughs> We're a supportive podcast. <laughs> here uh so look the theme section is all about in, in a lot of doctor who some things happen and then they happen again so we talk about them 
because they're they're running themes of the show. John, what did you want to talk about for this? Let's talk about murder mysteries. Um, oh, okay. that is obviously the connecting theme here. Um, yeah, I mean, just uh, uh, as uh, as faithful probers will know, um, we are huge Benson fans at first, but then I, I yeah. like uh, I like my crime shows and mystery shows. Uh, and it's just uh, just interesting as I was watching these, thinking, why do we like this as an entertainment? So people are murdered. We are entertained by people being brutally murdered. And I'm like, oh, that's fun. I, I really enjoyed that last that last hour or whatever to to see that. Um, and Doctor Who, of course, kills tons of people, right? I mean, it, there's the body count is very high in a children's television show. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just interesting to me why. Uh, uh, you know, again, why death and why particularly mysteries are so appealing to us and why we like murder. I mean, do you, well, so Mike, you watch some of our shows. Do you, would you call yourself a crime television person or no? Or mystery person? I've had no choice. Exactly. I have to wake up every morning and watch murder over breakfast and coffee. In you the know, we morning? Watch, well, we watch CSI and, and enjoy good autopsy over breakfast. I mean, it's 11 yeah. o'clock somewhere. Oh, God. <laughs> it's always going to have those barrels of slurpy bodies coming out while I'm having cornflakes. Sometimes <laughs> oh, sometimes a body sits in a hot tub for a while and things happen. But, you know, usually usually it's just very, you know, laid back. You know, someone will be holding up a brain or something like that. And, you know, Mike leading stuff. It's, it's, it gets your day off right. Do you like, uh, do you like uh, murder shows or... I do. There's something fascinating about the how. Like, how did they do it? And would I be able to pull this off? Ah, all right. So Kim is studying. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't watch, by the way, I will say we don't watch CSI. Not that we've never watched those. Like, we may have watched Law and Order or something, but we don't regularly watch those. But we will go on uh, kind of binges of we'll watch like documentaries about real life, like, serial killers true and crime like yeah that. like yeah yeah exactly true crime stuff I feel like we've watched more of that than so similar themes I, I i one of the things that i think murder gets brought into a lot of fiction is that it's just like the easiest way to up the stakes like you just throw in a murder and then the, you know you want to find out what happened why would someone do this you know i think because it's something most of us would never want to do then we want to see like whoa how, how did someone get to that point you know you immediately there's something to figure out so it's kind of a cheat code um and then uh, it's just been i mean like it's been part of um uh, it's been part of stories forever like it's just such a fundamental part of of stories it's always about like love or murder i feel like going back to you know <laughs> well yeah if you're gonna murder someone you have to be passionate about why you're murdering them right that's so. right yeah it would I mean, be a boring I, story of just like <laughs> people i just did it <laughs> well that's people interesting murdering someone. <laughs> interesting on the on the crime shows and uh, the u.s crime shows um the police do just lob accusations around with the flimsiest thing they're like ah you didn't like the color dress she was wearing and that's why you stabbed her to death and you're like really that you thought that was a credible motive and they're, and they're, and it's they're usually wrong like they're just accusing them but it's like yeah i feel like it would take a little bit more to kill someone i, I mean hope i don't i don't know would it would take more <laughs> um so from the, the fist. from the american shows i learned how the investigative techniques right so uh, uh, i i can uh, i'm desperate to find a body uh, somewhere, right? Jogging or something, because I'll start the autopsy. You know, you know. The oh God! Will, the police will show up and like, what six son of a bitch carved out his liver? And I'll be like, oh, I did that. He was. I was just trying to get a head start. Um, uh, and then I, you know, the uh, uh, the psychological profiling on criminal minds, which I love. We were watching an episode one morning, and they were talking about whatever the killer had done. 
Uh, and I just said, oh, that sounds like real overkill. And then two seconds later, Rossi goes, this looks like a classic case of overkill. <laughs> like, That's right. <laughs> so I could I could work there with are, There are high schools around here now where you can take forensic science in high school. So like, oh, do you want art, drama or forensic science? Like, I think that's amazing that they're offering that now. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a it's a very technical field. And I think they are short on people, right? The labs need people. So, yeah, I mean, and just to support the CSI franchise, because they are bringing that back. So you got to hire a lot of people for that. Um, And then but it's interesting is that that's so American shows are very procedural, like police procedurals. Uh, and then British shows are very still a lot Agatha Christie like in that they it's just motive and opportunity and and uh, and means and they basically spend the whole episode just having tea with people and asking them oh tell us this story and then they go okay now we're gonna have tea with somebody else and they'll tell and they just it's just very like okay what was your motive what did you it, it's much more uh, character driven uh, and dialogue driven than, than the the technical forensics of it and of course they don't have guns so they just go and arrest the person and like, you should not do anything now. And they're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> when, when you watch a mystery for all you guys, do you, do you, are you, tr- is it like a crossword puzzle to you? Like you're trying to figure out the mystery because I don't do that. And in fact, if I can sort of figure out the mystery of a movie and then it's true, like I'm like, Oh, I think it's this. And then it happens. I feel really, I'm like, Oh, that was, dumb i knew it <laughs> i knew what happened so, i mean i think i actively try to not like figure it out because i'm like well then it's not really fun for me like i want to be i want this story to wash over me <laughs> i don't uh, i don't want you know you don't want to engage with it at all <laughs> no i, I want to be in the audience like it, actually it's similar to like i don't it's funny having done like improv for many years but but i always actually hated the improv when you were like super involved with the audience and as an audience member i do not want to be part of the show like i don't want to be caught up on stage i don't want i don't want any of that so i kind of just like watching the show and like i i don't i don't want to feel like i'm solving it but but do you feel good when you solve it oh i feel so satisfied when i solve it interesting i i want to solve it it's like it's like a fun puzzle when you solve it yeah yeah, less for TV, but for me, but definitely for books. Books are very—it's a really engaging way to read a book, right? Because you're you're you know you read some John Irving novel and it just goes from the beginning when the person shows up and then they die at the end, and you're like, all right, well, it's sort of nothing. Well, they always wrestle someone. They wrestle yeah. someone and fight with a bear, also. In yeah, somebody in a bear suit. Oh. Uh, so yeah, what I like about a mystery novel is you know it's it's a puzzle, right? You are playing along and you're trying to figure it out. Um, and some are you know the again that classic era of mysteries. Uh, are much more meticulous about laying out all the clues and, you know, you actually have to figure out some fairly clever things. Um, the Ellery Queen books, which are very good, actually at a certain point will stop and say, you now know everything you need to know to solve this. Like it'll be a little break page and it'll be huh. like, you now know everything you need, you know, and you can solve this yourself. Um, but yeah, usually I don't get too many of them. Usually they're pretty, they're pretty clever, but uh, um, yeah, it's just, it seems to be a more engaging way. Do you try to solve the mysteries? <clears throat> It very much depends on the show. Some of them really lend themselves to finding each of the things and kind of talking about the things as they find it. Other than others, definitely laid out as a story. And if it's just a story, yeah, I'm I'm along for the ride in the entertainment. But you some have- of them where they're doing like all the different things, like that new cold case, yep. the British cold case show. You oh, yeah, do no, kind no, of no, feel no. like you're thinking about every piece of evidence as as they get it. So you're kind of thinking about it in that way. Um, but mothers, yeah, it's a show. It's Un- Unforgotten was that show, yes. right? Yeah, that's very good. Uh, you have, uh, you have, you have, you and you and Kim have Britbox, 
Uh, and we really like Death in Paradise, which is a, a mystery show. And that one is, they're very fair, right? They they yes. really do lay out all the clues. Uh, and, and, you know, there'll be something, they'll even sort of show something behind them and on the screen or something like that. Like there are, it's not just they're telling you, like sometimes you have to be sharp-eyed, but you can figure it out. Uh, and they usually, what, they only have, uh, so it's, it's it's another uh, a case of a uh, you know small uh, small town small island where people are just murdered left right and center like it's a wonder anybody's left uh, but uh, uh, usually yeah they, they uh, those are pretty good um, they have um, the current detective is the a really obnoxious guy from uh, Love Actually the guy who went to America uh, to look for sex um, Chris Chris oh something. yeah 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 he's the he's the uh, the current detective and I mention that because he is rumored uh, at some point to be the next Doctor Who. So. Oh. What was the um, the show with Kyle MacLachlan? The old Twin Peaks. Yes, Twin Peaks. That was a good one. That one I f- I feel like would have translated so well if they had done that now. That same show right now, I feel like would go. Didn't they revive it? Didn't they have a, a Netflix thing or something? They, they brought a couple of things. They revived a movie, or maybe maybe you're right. Maybe they did. Yeah, there was no, a movie show- and a series ended like Fire Walk with Me or something. It was, but it was like a. Yes. Didn't that show time travel? It was very complicated. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Well, so that shows a good example of there's no way you could figure out Twin Peaks. So I, it's funny because some of the ones you're mentioning that you guys sort of like the mental exercise of playing along and even that one you specifically said where they literally stop and say like, hey, figure it out now. You have all the clues. Like they're specifically kind of setting up things for you to figure out. That makes sense that you would then it's almost like this logic problem that you're solving. Like and that's part of it. Like it's written for that. Um, but like Twin Peaks, for example, yeah, it's not that like you couldn't figure it out. They didn't figure it out. Like they didn't know exactly what was going on. Um, so and I do think one thing I don't like is when there's some sort of mystery or something you're at least noodling on when you're watching the show or the movie and then you get to the end and there's an explanation for it, but there's literally no way that you would have been able to come to that conclusion because some of the other avenues that they floated as being possibilities, you were like, well, yeah, in the end, you told me why that wasn't the the avenue, why that, that person wasn't the killer, but there would be no way for me to have known that. Like, that, you know, you just, you chose one of the four paths that were presented and it ended up being that one, but, you know, the the, the audience would have had no way of, of necessarily ruling someone out. Yeah, if you don't give people all the information, although uh, classic CSI mistake, they always dismiss the first person they witness is always the murderer. Or the first witness they interview is always the murderer. So they'll always be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then like, oh, yeah, they were just picking up the mail or something like that. And then you forget about them. And then at the end, it always comes back around like, oh, no, they were bigger. So it's always the first person they interview. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, by the way, stay tuned for more of this on uh, John and Kim CSI cast, which is starting (laughs) right after the Benson cast. Um, it's going to happen to people. I have never seen an episode. Benson uh, did uh, for uh, a couple times, they did two part mysteries uh, in their seasons. They would have some murder mystery. One was on a boat. Uh, and there was another one like where they're in Hong Kong or they do, they do a bunch of these where it was it was literally Benson was like the lead detective in a, a crime show. And they would, someone would get murdered and they would, I mean, it wasn't like one of the main, it wasn't like Miss Krause would get murdered. Like it was like some, they would be going somewhere and then they would just do a mystery show. So tying it all into Benson, of course, which is, which links us all, obviously. Have you ever done a murder mystery dinner? No. Uh, I was, we did do one. Um, It was not impressive. (laughs) It depends. Some of the kids are good and it depends on the guests you have doing. Some of them are good and like well, again, I have not because being questioned. And... 
Yeah. I think we need to do this. No, I have not because like I said, I don't want to be in the show. <laughs> like I didn't want to be in the show and then I'm going to be on stage in the show or I want to be sitting in the audience and having my little drink and my little jalapeno poppers. Like I don't I don't want to be in the thing. Yeah, the one we did was uh, was the one in Denver, right? Uh and it was like a I was just set in Hawaii on a cruise ship was the idea. And you like you went and you mingled with the people before dinner and they were actors and they you talked to them and find out little bits about them. And then you would all go sit at the table and every once in a while something would happen and they'd stop and make everybody, you know, they'd start calling on people, you know, why did they have these pills or something? And somebody yell out because of this. <laughs> it was very, it was, yeah, oh, it was interesting. Uh, 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 that's, yeah. that's what I'm going to, you're going to have nightmares about the Harlequin mask. I'm going to have nightmares about being in an audience for one of these. I, I just, that makes me, it gives me agita. I don't know why I just don't like it. <laughs> But they're going to come up to me and some person in the cosmos is like, well, what do you think, sir? And I'll just be like, oh, just get away. Just run away. <laughs> I'm also a non-participant and I somehow ended up being the one who done it at the end of the uh, <laughs> murder mystery. Yes. And so it meant that I had all the different things that I had to do. It was like, no, why? Why did <laughs> now there's the ranking music because we are into the rankings. Uh, we have ranked Oh, gosh. Uh, let's see here. 76, I believe, episodes of Doctor Who up until this point. We're going to rank all 295. Um, and so I'll start with my rankings. Uh, both of these, to me, were enjoyable. Uh, not near the top, not near the bottom. So those are always the hardest for me to rank. Because even as I was finding it, I happened to rank the Unicorn and the Wasp uh, number 31. Actually, it shows up. 32 there but it's 31 and as i was putting it kim kim said to me that's so random how do you pick why why is that the 31st best one it's like well you just have to decide (laughs) um i put the unicorn and the wasp um both both of these are in the middle that one a little more near the top of the middle and a black orchid a little more near the bottom of the middle so i have unicorn and the wasp 31 right below the romans right above the time warrior idiot's lantern that kind of a thing um i liked it uh donna is always enjoyable to me she's again a fun here it was i think it is definitely my least favorite of the modern doctor historical ones as you mentioned i like the historical yeah. ones like i really like the shakespeare code that was up at the top for me and um tooth and claw was a really great episode so this was not the best one of the and i don't i can't explain why it was a little goofy um I can't, I don't know. Just the the tone of it or something was like, it was fine, but I didn't love it. Black Orchid, um, I, I, it was, I, the, I, I was brought along by the personality of the folks. I, I like watching just like Tegan and Nissa Nadra kind of have fun and it was enjoyable enough, enough episode. Uh, but the plot, uh, again, just seemed kind of wrapped up in a weird way of, that I would have never to the point that I just mentioned, I never would have guessed this plot. I never would have known any of this. So like, Oh, it just come on. I've, I've accused several people of having a, a deformed brother locked in their attic. <laughs> it happens. It happens. And you got to be ready to go with that one. If you suspect it. So I had this one ranked just below one of my sort of early carpet incorrect rankings. I have it uh, 46, which is just below the arc in space, which should probably be higher. And um, around Planet of the Ood, uh, above Battlefield, that kind of a thing. Oh, I don't really want it above Battlefield. Can I change it? No. I, I already wrote it in the... the rankings are locked, people. It. It's, it's done. Dead. All right. That's yeah. where it is. And hold on. Before we go to you, John, Kim, how do you rank? You have two. So you can rank. Which one do you like better? 
the Unicorn and the Wasp, which was the newer one, or the Black Orchid. You know, they're so different. I know they're both murder themes, but they're just so different. I love that they have Agatha Christie and, and the Unicorn <laughs> no, and the Wasp. Yeah. But I think the Harlequin was just fun. <laughs> like, so the scary Harlequin who's haunting the dreams. I thought his character was just kind of hilarious. I would maybe yeah. just <laughs> Right. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, you do have Ark of Space wrong quarter, but that's just nothing to do at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a mess. It's a real mess. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm kind of like you, you in the wrong. middle. Um, not, I, I, I just ranked it. There's nothing up, I can do about that uh, either. Just below Dalek, the Doctor's Daughter, around Partners in Crime. Uh, I just like it. It's a solid episode. It's funny, um, which I like. It, it's, it's pretty rewatchable because it, it is, you know, again, it's witty and it moves along very quickly. And again, we have the the Doctor Donna combination, which I have Porter and Kim, or Mike and Kim, sorry. Uh, <laughs> as you've not been following along, um, we've been talking about how uh, David Tennant and, and Catherine Tate are so good that we put all their episodes, or we're like these are all good. But when it's not like really good, we're kind of like, oh well, this was this is disappointing. It's like, yeah, this is probably better than some of the other ones we've seen. Any of them are this season, <laughs> but uh, uh, so yeah, it suffers from. Uh, and again, I, I love the uh, the poisoning uh, seasons. Right, right. Totally pointless, but very funny scene. Uh, let's do them, and then Black Orchid. I have uh, number uh, forty eight. No, yes. Uh, I never do the math right. Um, around on Unearthly Child about Boomtown, um, just kind of in the middle. I it it gets a little bit of a boost for me. It, the plot is terrible. Uh, it doesn't make any sense, uh, and it's very simple. And you know, basically, all the doctor does is get in trouble, show them the TARDIS, and then someone else pushes the guy off the top of the building. <laughs> so it's, it's not a lot going on, uh, but it just for me, it has a, a very Saturday afternoon comfort. To it, right? It is just it's. I've probably seen it a ton of times just because it, it was always, uh, you know, in the, in the rotation of PBS episodes. Um, and I, it does, it did appeal to me in the sense that I liked mystery. So I was like, Oh, there, this is a show that I would like, right. Or, or this is aimed at me, uh, a loser who's watching <laughs> bad mysteries on Saturday. Um, but yeah, so I, it's just, it's got, it's, it's in that sort of area of, uh, death to the Daleks, <laughs> uh, face people, sort of that comfort food area for me. So it, it gets a little bit higher, uh, for the, on the street with that. And, and, you know, again, um, uh, it's, it's not the greatest story ever, but it's a fun one. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I, 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 Black Orchid has never been been my favorite. I'm just more entranced by looking here at the listing. I'm just like, oh, you like you, you you really didn't didn't like the Pompeii, did you? You didn't like Lazarus. Yeah, wow. that's, that's a good right. example one. Yeah, it just fell. Yeah, like really really went down. It's like, I, I could like this. Well, you're wrong. You have to consult the rankings. <laughs> that's right. Mike, what would you say is the proportion of episodes that you have seen due to proximity that you have fallen asleep during? I'd say a good number of them that were filmed before 1990, maybe? Oh, <laughs> fair, fair. So I, I do not force uh, uh, lovers and friends to watch uh, the classic series. I, I do well, acknowledge. You, you do, but you put them on at night. No, no, like, I watch the When you're getting ready, it's like your comfort thing. Like before right. bed, I watch the on. classic series. You have no choice. So That's just course, happening. Yeah. <laughs> you put it on, and of course, yeah. I'm like, it's I mean, like why? white noise to Mike at this point. <laughs> like, 
why no, someone can't sit through three hours of black and white TV. Yeah, it's a lot of screaming. It's great screaming. Yeah. Mike, of the newer, because you have watched more of these, because this is literally, I would say, the first episode that you watched like the whole way through. Right. Like that, you've been in the room and I watched some of them, but like. That first one that I started to watch, it just really reminded me of like a high school or college film class. Like yeah, Mike, right, <laughs> right. That was one, I forget. Yeah, that was one of the ones from like the, I think it was the third doctor or something but but mike you have watched more of them and maybe of the modern ones like what is like a favorite episode of yours that you remember or any of them like any of them that you liked more than not <laughs> i like more than not or which oh, doctor dear. did you like um you oh know, matt or... smith was definitely he okay was, so he he's coming up my, my soon doctor. right next yeah, yeah. what is doctor Okay. Yeah, but I have to say, from seeing the new ones, then going back and watching Black Orchid, one of the things that really hit me was how, in, in all the new ones, all the companions, like, like they have to be like friends. They're all very friendly with each other and stuff. And when you go from that to then like Black Orchid, like they don't dislike each other. They seem to like each other fine. But in the episode, they kind of like interact with each other more like vaguely annoyed roommates. Yeah, or like, and they are like close knit friends. The way now everybody in the TARDIS is like, oh, it's the family, and you know, they're, they, they're just to like, me, yeah, they you're, feel you're like, kind of around all the time, but you know, like coworkers, or like and it's like, ah, oh, we're yeah. in the same cube area together, <laughs> like yeah. you know, we're, we're and that was other. that was intentional because Peter Davison was so young; he's the youngest Doctor at the time, uh, and there was a little concern that like, oh, you know, he actually you know could be dating one of these people right the other the companions like they're roughly the same age and we want to make sure there's no indications of hanky panky in the tardis nothing happened in the in the old series so uh yeah i think they cultivated that to be like there's no way look at all these people they're terribly unlikable uh <laughs> there's no way <laughs> that he's going to hook up with any of them so that was, that was very intentional <laughs> i will going into the old computer here and combining these rankings together uh we have the unicorn and the wasp ends up in a combined ranking uh 27th for us out of out of 78 and uh black orchid we almost ranked it the same john because you were yeah. 40 you were 48 i'm 46 it was very close it ends up number 50 on this list when we combine those together we still have inferno the aztecs blink runaway bride tooth and claw up at the top and bringing up the bottom, we still have Time Lash, Edge of Destruction, and Time and the Rani. And uh, you can go see these rankings on MindProbe.show. You can see the rankings. You can also see the watch order. So if Kim and Mike want to start watching all these episodes along with us, they I could... want to watch your favorite episode, John. I want to. I want to see the number one. Oh, my favorite episode is very offensive. Uh, it, <laughs> it's called. It's, it's called the Talons of Wang Chiang. It's a brilliant episode. It's, it's actually widely considered one of the best. Uh, but unfortunately, it has a lot of white people pe- playing Chinese people, so it is uh, not great for that. Um, with some very bad makeup to, to get. So it's them. aged well. Is yeah, they, they had to, I think Britbox actually had to put like a little warning on it to be like, this was okay at the time, but it's now not totally inappropriate. <laughs> so yeah, but aside from that, it's a great episode. But yeah, that's that's my favorite. And that is, uh, it's coming up at some point. I don't remember where we had it. I think it, there, some of the ones at the top that you would like is, I mean, there's a reason Tooth and Claw is near the top. I think you would like Tooth and Claw. It's a historical one. Um, and it's kind of a monster movie where there's a werewolf and it's, it's just like, it's a very self-contained thing and it's fun. So I think you would like that. And then the empty child, the doctor dances is a very creepy story. That's, it's kind of like told like a cool movie, um, during, uh, the, the blitz, the London blitz during world war two. And it's this very creepy 
kind of ghost story almost that's that's being told. So I think you would like those. And I actually do think you'd like Voyage of the Dam, which was the one we were joking about. They're on this sort of space Titanic and it's sort of a that's a little bit sillier. So I think the other two but it's 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 really good. Like it's just it, yeah, I mean the the feel of it might you might be like, what is this? I don't want to watch it. And right. women love uh pop celebrities in forklift accidents. It is a solid <laughs> fact. Uh and that happens here. Um uh, fair, that was a Christmas episode. Yeah, so that had to crazy. have broader yes. appeal to everybody. Yes. Everybody was what at home having to sit with their parents and watch something. Do they do they always have a Christmas episode? Uh, yeah, once the series came back. So they did not have it in the classic series, but uh, it's kind of a big British thing where they, whatever their sort of big shows are, they will do a special Christmas episode. So Call the Midwife, I think, has them and some of the comedies. And there's always, and the Queen has a special. She does her speech. Uh, so yeah, there's always there's a, there's sort of a, and then the, the rationale is, look, people are going to be watching this after they've had a huge meal. They're going to be tired. There are going to be kids running around. It's going to be everybody, the whole family will be watching. It can't be complicated. It's got to be very simple uh, and, you know, splashy and, and whatever. But it, can't, it shouldn't have a lot of running continuity or anything like that. So they, they're meant to be very accessible. Which is, and which we've ended there. up ranking, I think, all four of the Christmas episodes pretty high that we've watched. So, yeah, they're fun. And if you if one coming up that is a good entry is the eleventh hour, which is the first uh, Matt Smith episode, uh, which is kind of a reboot um, for the series. It's all new cast and producers and everything else. Uh, it still sort of hooks into the continuity, but but basically they started fresh, uh, and that is how I got Mike started. So I have a set plan for introducing people to Doctor Who, uh, and I pick a good episode. You don't want to you don't want to give some bomb like Battlefield, and then they're like, I'm never going to watch this again. And then the relationship doesn't work, right? So I had to. I have to. I have a set strategy <laughs> to bring people in. And so yes, we started with the eleventh hour, uh, and then went forward. And then you went back to on your own to the ninth doctor and, and caught up. Sounds like you've had a lot of trial and error with this. Yeah, I have a system. There's a system. There's a system, people. There's a system. You have to go the try. It's like the you know the try and true method of introducing uh, doctors. You know, Mike, right. Mike is the boy who lived. He he survived <laughs> and really got through all this. <laughs> Now, uh, Mike, when John has been away, have you ever found yourself putting on Doctor Who? Just oh, like... that's a good question. <laughs> yes, when it was on, it, it was on Netflix for a while, I think. Uh, yeah. And yes, I did watch it then because it was there, and I just wanted to get it on. Most and successful thing was uh, his parents when they were visiting us in Amsterdam. We went to the Van Gogh Museum, Van Gogh Museum, uh, and then we came back from that, and uh, we were trying to kill time without talking to them about politics. Uh, so I put on a, a Matt Smith episode where they meet Bingo. It's a very good episode. It's written by uh, Richard Curtis, who uh, you know, does Love Actually stuff. It's a very emotional episode, very sweet. Um, and his parents got into Doctor Who and started watching it. And then they started watching the weirder episodes. and like, oh, this is a very different show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tonally, it's all over the place. But We're about to see an immersive Van Gogh experience in uh, New York City. Oh, yeah. They've been advertising that. Yeah. Well, anyway, Probers, check that out. Uh, we'll be there. Go to the Immersive Van Gogh <laughs> series in New York City. You <laughs> or, might... or Paul, just go to the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam and you're there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also throw a costume party and invite. John. Yeah, yeah. We challenge every Prober out there to throw a costume party and invite us. Um, and and again, you can see all these episodes. You can see the rankings on Mindprobet Show. You can email John, John at Mindprobet Show. You can email me at Porter at Mindprobet Show. Uh, honey, you could get a mindprobe.show email if you'd like. You know, you just if you want one. You can, you can make that happen. A Mrs. Probe email, I would love a Mrs. Probe. Yes, you could get a Mrs. <laughs> Probe at mindprobe.show. You could get that for all my fan mail. <laughs> yes. 
Um, John, what are we watching next episode? And uh, will our spouses ever return? Uh, actually, they could for the next one. I mean, so the um, well, yeah, for the uh, fourth one, but uh, the next uh, is uh, a two-parter, um, and it's Stephen Moffat is back. So, uh, and again, delivers as he usually does. Uh, this is Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead. Uh, two great episodes, and, and complicated, but but I think good, right? I mean, not bad, right? Um, uh, and then uh, we paired that to the sort of a virtual worlds connection. We paired that with the deadly assassin, a fourth doctor unaccompanied, no companion uh, episode. Uh, and it is the first on-screen visit uh, to Gallifrey by the doctor. So he goes, Ooh. he goes to his home planet for the first time. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, it's a great story. So uh, actually two, um, we tend to pair like really good stories together and we tend to pair weak stories together. I should probably try to balance that out better. So you get, you don't have to slog through time lash <laughs> and <laughs> something else. Uh, but yeah, these are both really strong stories. Though. Well, here's to that, and here's to seeing you guys in Aruba in a few weeks. And this is a song for Shay. This was actually in an episode. Yeah? A little bit better than my theme song. No, your theme song is very. <laughs> this song is just the lyric, here's to the future, over and over again for a while. <laughs> Although, why it doesn't have the uh, uh, Welsh. I've been ionized! Uh, just through it. Love it. Turns out anybody can do it. Yeah. Yeah, Well, you can come back anytime, but you have to watch the episodes of Doctor Who. That's the cost of admission. (laughs) Also, we didn't promote this uh, at the end of the list. This is a total surprise for everyone. Uh, Well, Paul. Uh, unfortunately, Paul knows Mike, so we won't be too thrown by it. But. This is like our version of the Christmas episode. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But again, if we didn't know Christmas was coming or make any plans for it like that, <laughs> we'll, we'll get the feedback. If uh, So uh, I got an email from uh, Paul's significant other, uh, Ellie, and so I was like, oh, perfect. Uh, a spouse is going to be on the show. So it's, it's a great synergy there of uh, Paul, because Ellie does not like Doctor Who either. He falls asleep through it all. And, uh, and so, yeah, we were doing the uh, spouses contacting us and has a spouse episode. Perfect. This is actually going, this episode is going to be released on the day of our youngest daughter's birthday on July 20th. So here's to Lulu. <laughs> you, should, you should burn it on a CD and give it to her. She, she won't appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Still. <laughs> Happy birthday, Lulu. Mrs. Probe loves you. <laughs> She's the tiniest broker. She's, uh, she's very small. You just have to say the website. Mind, mindprobe.show. Mindprobe.show. Ooh.